This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. But that's just me. Hey, I'm Gordon Damer, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. So I wanted to shift to a little baseball, continue to take your, uh, your Nick calls as we will throughout the show because they are first and foremost on our minds right now with the, the Rangers coming up a little bit later tonight, 7 o'clock pregame right here, game three uh, against the Devils. Do the Devils have any answer whatsoever? Because it does not seem like they've had one so far, clearly. But I wanted to touch on some baseball uh, with the Mets and, and the Yankees. And the first one is, you know, I, I saw uh, some clips of the movie Moneyball the other day. Not, uh, to me, not a great movie, Um Kind of a little bit rewatchable, but, you know, there's some people that really think that that's a, you know, a classic piece of uh, sports cinema. So, so I saw what, where was it? They were like, oh, one of the best movies. Of all. Really? One of the best sports movies of Moneyball? But anywho, the movie, based on the book, is about the, the data revolution in baseball, right? Forward thinking is almost like a, a business book in some ways, right? Looking for any statistical edge that you can find. And I would just have to wonder, have the, have the A's given up on that like they've given up on everything else? Is there any sabermetrics uh, that say pitching to Pete Alonso is still a good idea? Why is anyone, either analytically or not analytically inclined, still pitching to Pete Alonso? I went through his game log. He's generally hitting in front of Tommy Pham, uh, Mark Khanna, or Jeff McNeil. And that, that has not worked. Like, you can be theoretical or you could be, like, looking at what the data actually tells you. Either way, pitching to Pete, uh, to, to, um, to, uh, Pete Alonso at this point is a mistake. Stop pitching to him. Why would you continue to pitch to him? You should be pitching around him at any cost. Is there another cleanup hitter in baseball who has less protection than, than Pete Alonso? Would I rather pitch to Pete Alonso or Tommy Pham? Would I rather pitch to him or Mark Mark Canna or Jeff McNeil? And I'm not saying that those guys are bad players, but they're not nearly the. We we all can agree that the Mets' one power bat is is Pete Alonso, and he has uh, he's paid off. So I know that Billy Bean is just a senior advisor now. I'd like to think that he has somebody's phone number somewhere still that that runs the A's and the Giants. They're big on analytics too. Not so much landing free agents in the offseason, but they're big on analytics. So I would say maybe someone somewhere should suggest not throwing Pete Alonso any more strikes because the guy is absolutely hammering anything. And 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 let's see if uh, by not pitching to him, let's see if anybody else can let somebody else beat you. That would be a better way to go if uh, if you're facing off against the Mets. So um uh, I'm not exactly sure. Hey, look, the A's, it seems like they've, they're just waiting for the move to, to Vegas and to build the stadium and however long that takes because they're not, it doesn't seem like they're, they're really trying all that hard this year. That's for sure. But even if you're not trying, the individual players, I think, are still trying, right? You're going to catch on someplace else. I would say stop pitching to Pete Alonso. And um, because at this rate, he is going to be, if you keep pitching to him and he, he remains as hot as this, he will be your National League MVP this season. And uh, that, that's not really much of a stretch with, what is it, 10 home runs now? 11 home runs? However many home runs he already has. You should, be, you should not still be pitching to this guy. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Rufus is in Staten Island. Rufus, what's going on, pal? Hi. 
Rufus, hello. How are you, pal? What you got? All right. I don't know. If something's going on with Rufus's phone. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but um, anywho. Uh, all right. So the other Met thing, I, I, I got distracted there with Rufus. I, I, I probably should not have uh, to gone to Rufus then, but we'll see if Rufus reconnects at some point. Um, the other thing with the Mets is, we, and look, you have to get, you know, once the Mets got swept by the uh, Brewers, it, it felt like the season was not exactly off to the best of starts, right? The Diaz injury, then the Verlander injury, Scherzer not pitching all that well, the Brewers sweep, the road trip, and how the Mets have responded to that has been impressive. Uh, They've now won, what, seven of eight, 14 and seven on the season. It's been impressive. The one thing that has happened this past week that has not been impressive and, and, and bears monitoring has been the situation with uh, with Max Scherzer. And to me, it's bigger than just a Max Scherzer issue because only baseball could put themselves in this position. Only, only MLB could go out of their way to create an issue where one does not exist. A couple of years ago, in the middle of the season, they decide, hey, you know what? We're going we're gonna to crack down on illegal substances that pitchers are using to doctor the baseball. Now, I would think that the the time to do that, to let everybody know this, is before the season, but that's baseball. We're going to crack down on it. Okay, so they do that, what was that, 2019. And then the rules are on the books. We're going to check guy. Okay, fine, great. Then, for some reason, I guess the, the numbers of the spin rates started to track upwards again. So they say, you know what? We have to crack down on it again. We're going to be, we're going to be looking for things. So sure enough, this week you had the whole situation with Max Scherzer. He gets, a, he gets uh, ejected from the Dodger game and then is given the 10-game the suspension. And the rules are so dumb. Oh, again, only baseball can have it. So you can't use any foreign substances. Okay, check. Easy to understand. What, what are foreign substances? What are approved substances? Well, the approved substance is rosin. We put it right on the mound. That is the only approved substance. But if you use it too much, that could also be illegal. Well, how? What, what's, the, what's the barometer? What's the, what's the measure to know that it's too much? Well, we'll just tell you on a, on a game-by-game basis. We're going we're gonna to tell you on a person-by-person basis. Does that make sense to anyone anywhere? The whole thing is just dumb. Now, I'm not saying that, that having the rule is dumb. Sure, you don't want the, the, the pitchers to be weaponizing the baseball. That's great. I don't know necessarily that a crackdown, because when you have a crack, announcing a crackdown is just simply as a way to, to say, well, you know that guys are going to be getting hit by this, right? They're, they're, we're going to find somebody somewhere to make sure that we can have this known that we, we made the crackdown and we caught the culprits. And then you have a crackdown on what is essentially a judgment call. And we don't need this one to to kind of tell you that judgment calls in any sport is not the way to go. No sport should have be putting more on the, the, the officials of the game, the referees, the umpires in baseball, because we've seen time and time again. Judgment calls are always going to lead to disagreement. And look, maybe that's what they want. They, they don't want it to be clear cut. They want there to be disagreement about the sport so that there's conversation about their sport. But the problem is no sport goes out of their way 
to kick out stars of their game more on a regular basis than baseball. There are ejections on a daily basis in Major League Baseball. Now, you get ejections in, you get ejections in the NBA. You had the one uh, with, uh, with Harden the other night in the, the Sixers-Nets game. But they're far rarer than Major League Baseball. It seems like they happen on a, on a, on a daily basis in baseball where you're, you're having players get ejected and that's helped decide games. I don't think that that's the way you want to draw it up. I don't remember the last time. I'm sure that happens from time to time with penalties with the NFL, but it's fairly rare that people are getting kicked out of NFL games. Baseball, regular occurrence. You could almost have a sponsor that happens so regularly. But with this, with the, ba- with the, the doctoring of the baseballs, you have to have a rule and make it clear. You have to have a clear standard of what is allowed and what's not allowed. It has to be precise. It has to, it has to have a number. And the way that baseball should attack this, if they want, and now look, I think the whole cracking down on it is dumb. But if you're going to have um, an issue with this and you want to attack it the way you should, is by measuring, and the first data point is the spin rate. That should be the first measure. Not, not putting it in the umpire's hands, not having uh, the checks in between the innings. Have someone, baseball has more than enough money, have someone at Major League Baseball monitoring everybody's spin rates in each game, in each inning. It's not that hard. And you kind of know what everybody's baseline is. And if for whatever reason you see a large jump in an inning, well, then then you check. Okay, fine. This guy usually throws at this many RPMs and there's this many rotations or whatnot. And his numbers have jumped up by 100 or jumped up by 150. Like Max Scherzer's jumped up the other day by 100 or 150. Then you at least have some reasonable suspicion. Then you have something to go on. Rather than leaving it to an umpire and what he, what he determines to be sticky or too sticky, the, the, the quote the other day about, oh, the level of stickiness, it was the stickiest sticky I've ever seen. It's so sticky. I'm like, these are grown men. This is like a billion-dollar organization, and we're trying to, to measure what is sticky and what is not sticky. Need scientists out there scraping a little bit off his fingers and, and putting it in a little vial and seeing if it turns blue. I mean, you cannot leave these things open to judgment. You have to have a verifiable standards. So if in future you see somebody whose spin rate is usually this and it jumps up, much like instant replay, then you got something to go on and it should be quick. You can do it very quickly. And if the, if, if the, if the player has an issue with the umpire saying this thing or that thing, well, you can say, well, you, you can't really disagree. It's not open to interpretation. It is this number. Your spin rates in this game have jumped up by this much. So now we have to check and see what's going on. And look, it, it's very simple. If you go out there and his spin rate has jumped up and you haven't found anything in a minute, play on. Play on. And if he's using something illegal and it's not impacting his spin rate, well, then nope. what does it matter? Who cares? But I think Scott Boris was right. He said that, that baseball needs to uh, have some sort of scientific method that's not subjective. And you have to have some verifiable certainty of the rules. Of course. <laughs> you can't just have it. Because now you have a situation where it's the one umpire who keeps, keeps kicking people out. And just like all the other rules, right, with the pitch clock, it's, is that a judgment call? No, of course not. You put a number on it. That's how you know it's, it's, there's certainty. It's clear. It's precise. 
It's not, well, we just kind of felt like you were taking too long. No, the numbers are right there. It's clear for everybody to see. The toss is over to first base. It's not, well, you're just doing it too often. No, it's an exact number. So now you have an exact number. If, if, a, if a pitcher's spin rate is jumping up by this much, you'll be able to approach it that way rather than having checks in between the innings and, 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 and having an umpire determine what is or is not too sticky, even though everybody agrees that the substance that was, well, it seemed like one umpire was agreeing that it might have just been rosin um, and, and sweat that led to the stickiness, but it was too sticky. And I, I mean, it's so, so silly. Then at least you have a, a legitimate reason to be going and, and, and pursuing it rather than just what is a subjective decision of, I think this is too sticky. So you're, you're kicked out of the game and now a 10 game suspension. And I'll say this, um, I think baseball's dumb for putting the rule in place. I think that they handled it poorly uh, at the time. But make no mistake, Max Scherzer brought a lot of this on himself, right? Like the Herman situation with the Yankees. He went in, washed his hands, away his go. Unfortunately for Scherzer, he's got to be a psycho about everything and make a federal case about everything. And the fact that he was swearing up and down about, you know, my kids' lives and it was sweat and rosin, I'd have to be an idiot to try something. The fact that he's not even appealing the, sus the suspension seems uh, a little weak. Here's a guy that makes a federal case out of everything. Like the other time that he got checked, right? He's like undoing his belt and tearing off his hat. Well, we're going to have an appeal that, you know, appeals generally get things knocked down. And even if it doesn't, no, no harm, no foul, really. You haven't, you haven't invested anything and lost anything. It's not like they're going to suspend you more as a result of, uh, of pushing for an appeal. I thought his reasoning for not having it appeal, well, you know, I'll leave it up to the Mets. They don't want me to do it, so I'm not going to do it. Seemed kind of weak. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Danny is on Long Island. Danny, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Good afternoon as I sit in traffic heading home from New Jersey. It's so bad I've just taken a loaf of Italian bread out of the car and I'm eating it. How's that? How's that? There you go, Danny. Well, look, bread is good at all times. Oh, beautiful. Now, listen, in the history of human athletics, going back to the Greek uh, and the Roman Olympics, there has never been a rule book and a sport more for gazing than baseball because the strike zone fluctuates. There's lines for the guy running up to first base, but you don't got to be in them. Nobody really knows what a balk is. Infield fly? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. We're really not really sure. Uh, now you have the pitch clock. Nobody really knows exactly what a catcher interference is. The whole thing is just fugazi from the get-go, and this is just another stupidity, and you nailed it. Have the pitch clock, have, the, have these, uh, these things that do the, uh, the, the radar guns with the rotations, and if a guy lights up one day, you tell him, listen, I'll just let you know, last time, last time you were on the mound, your, your spin rotation was up 25%, and you can expect to be checked every time you, you come into the dugout. Nothing should be done on the field. The last thing I need to see is a grown man get his fingers massaged by another guy. I mean, it's a little, it's a little disconcerting, but so that, that's the first thing they do. They, this should not be done in public. Take the guy underneath, and, because it, it's just a joke. It, that, that happened today that Brandon Nimmo went five for five, which is not an easy thing to do in baseball, and all we're talking about is as Michael K said, the sticky factor. Some men like it sticky, was actually what he said. So you're 100% right. I, lo I love your solution. Give, give us some scientific basis to reason to think that, that you're up to something. And now, no, and now we're going to tell you we're watching you. And if you go out again at the same time and it's up again, well, now, 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 now you're pushing the envelope, and we're going to keep an eye on you. But you nailed it perfectly. Yeah, well, look, Danny, thanks for the phone call. Enjoy the bread. Bread is good at all times. Um I have no problem with you checking him 
if you, you know, you can do it while the game's going on. You, you know what every pitch is doing and, and, and what the, the overall numbers are each inning. And, and maybe if you see it, right, it's up a certain amount. But you have to be able to put a number on it. You can't just, you cannot be, you know, technology is, is a, there was a time where you could watch a game uh, and, and you knew that this umpire had this strike zone and this umpire had that strike zone. And it wouldn't bother, it wouldn't bother you as much. Maybe you argue some balls and strikes or whatnot. But now because the box is on the screen, you get more upset. Well, they, they just missed another call to judge. They just missed another call here. That was a strike. They called it a ball. It was a ball. It was a strike. So technology has, has arrived at a point that we don't want, we want something that has some um, some verifiable number on it. So and I, 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 just the, the confrontation between players and, and and umpires in baseball is worse than in any other sport. That's why I think you the, 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 you have to lead to the the robo umps because the technology has advanced to a point where you can take what is a confrontation, yelling and arguing about th- this pitch or that pitch. And, and you see it with the Yankees all the time where you won't be able to yell at the umpire anymore because the umpire's not the one who's, who's making the call. It's something from upstairs. Don't blame me. The, 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 the computer saw it this way, and that's why I'm calling it that way. So it would be the same thing. You can take the confrontation out of it. Uh, you think about the NBA and how we go crazy during the season about load management. Players in baseball get kicked out all the time. Nobody says anything. It's just like part of the game. It's just part of the, the, the thing, and, and a lot of it becomes because of the com- confrontation between umpires and players. Anything I think that the sport can do to remove that confrontation from it, like this example here, I think would be better served. And again, all the other rule changes you, you've made, it's not like you're leaving it open to interpretation. Why would you leave this one open to interpretation? And, and it, the proof is in the pudding. You got one umpire who's kicking out these guys. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll touch on the Yankees who got a win today against the Blue Jays. We'll do it next here on the Gordon Damer Show. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. They do today. Cole did not get the win. Lasted five and two-thirds, but they get the walk-off thanks to uh, DJ LeMayhew, who was the uh, pinch hitter today. And uh, look, the Yankees have gotten off to, it's weird, for a team that had problems last year on offense and injuries uh, and did nothing really to address either in the offseason is having problems with offense and injuries. It's, it's weird. Uh, but look, they got a win today. They've won series. And at this point, it almost feels like every win right now, they're just uh, kind of scraping by pretty much. Uh, the, the offense is just not designed unless it's the guys that you know, Judge, Rizzo, Glaber, when he's hot, he had a couple of hits today, so maybe he's starting to, to snap out of it again. LeMayhew, when he gets a start, he did not get a start today. But you just take a look at this, this, the, Yankee, uh, this the Yankee lineup and why it almost feels like people are like, well, why aren't they scoring? What, have you looked at the lineup? It's not a very good lineup. Now, Volpe, has, he had a big hit today, big two-run home run to put the Yankees in front. And he's done a fine job. Um, Not maybe in terms of batting average, but in terms of getting on base and stealing bases. And he's held down the position defensively so far, which has not been an issue, which uh, I got to be honest, I was a little surprised that he has been this uh, pretty much flawless in terms of the defensive aspect of it. Thought that maybe that might be where he struggled more. 
uh, especially getting off to a little bit of a rough start with the bat, but now batting leadoff, and you see uh, Peraza in there more, you see Cabrera in there more, and there is absolutely no reason why those guys are not playing on a regular basis. With the news this week about Stanton and the news this week about um, Josh Donaldson, there's no re- those are the guys you have to hope are the guys that are going to produce. And you have to, if you're going to turn it over to young players, you can't leave it in a situation where they are questioned, oh, he's in the lineup this day, he's out of the lineup that day. So at this point, I do think that LeMayhew does have to play as regularly as he can because he's gotten off to a decent start. There's that question of whether or not you can keep him healthy, so he's not going to play every single day. He probably should be the primary third baseman. And again, I brought this up before the season, and I think it's still true. For all the praise that the Yankees give about Josh Donaldson's defense at third base, I don't know. Can, can people point to the, the, the plays that, that Donaldson makes that LeMahieu wouldn't make? I think LeMahieu is, is just as fine a third baseman as Donaldson is when he's in there, and he is certainly a better offensive player than Donaldson is at, at this stretch of his career. So Donaldson's not going to be coming back anytime soon. I know Yankee fans <laughs> take all the time you need. Rest up. Be uh, ready for whenever you are ready to play again. And uh, we'll, we'll get by without you. But I think that LeMahieu kind of has to be the primary third baseman. But you want to see more of Peraza in there. This is the guy that was competing with Volpe coming into spring training for the shortstop job. He's one of the highest regarded prospects that you have. You've held on to him. You haven't traded him away for any, in any of these deals to bring in uh, legitimate established players. So that guy has to be playing on a regular basis, uh, either at third base, maybe a little bit at shortstop. Maybe he's a DH one day. I don't know. But you, you got to get that guy's bat in the lineup. There's no reason why Cabrera is not the, the regular left fielder at this point. Even if he does struggle hitting-wise, let, let's ride it and see where it goes because we know what the other options are, and the other options are, are, are no. So on a day where the Yankees' DH was Willie Calhoun and, and Franchi Cordero, it's just kind of amazing to me. And, I, and maybe it's because the Stanton, con, uh, the Stanton injury is now first and foremost for a guy who has gotten hurt repeatedly. And for all the injuries that he's already suffered as part of the Yankees, Again, this is the good part of the contract. As he gets older, and you'd have to expect there's going to be less production, he's going to be more injury-prone coming off a a season last year that was horrendous. A guy who still has, what, four more years left after this contract? And that injury just exacerbates all the other problems with the lineup. So you hope that LeMahieu can stay healthy and, and give you the production that he can. You hope that Bader's back here before too long. But you just take a look at this this Yankee roster, and I get it. Guys are hurt, and, and the big-name guys are hurt. Even, you know, sometimes they have big names but not big production anymore. But you just – this is what $279 million buys you? And, and you would have to say the past year has to be one of the worst stretches for Brian Cashman. The Donaldson trade last year – the trade for Montas, all the trades that they made last year at the deadline where everybody got hurt, and it's kind of con- uh, compounded into this season with Rodon. I mean, that Rodon season, the signing, it feels like it's just one thing after another. Now, who knows? Maybe in, in a couple of weeks he'll be back and he'll be pitching, and when he pitches he looks great and he'll be that co-ace, and, and all of a sudden things will start to fall in place in terms of the rotation. 
but you know, for two hundred and seventy-nine million dollars, boy, it feels like there's a lot of a lot of dead wood. And 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 the reason why that is is because you're you're, you're up against the self-imposed um, ceiling in, in terms of payroll. So the Yankees are always kind of looking for you know scrap heap guys, and it just feels like a, a team that's spending two hundred and seventy-nine million dollars. You would think would have a better bench than than the guy, so that when guys do go down, that you would have viable players to kind of fill those roles. And, and right now, it just feels like the Yankees do not have that. And you and you just wonder uh, for Rodon that signing. It, it, I hope I'm wrong. I hope in in you know he's going to be back and his back injury is going to be over that. But it just feels like one thing after another with a guy who's had a series of injuries. I mean, he's had like basically every injury you can have, and it's not been his elbow, which is great. And it's not been his shoulder, which is, is good too. But it, it just feels like for a Yankee team that is spending short of the Mets uh, as, about as much as you can, it doesn't feel like this is what $279 million looks like. It doesn't feel like a very complete team. So, uh Again, it's not like they are turning things over to the kids by choice. It's because everybody, the the established players are, are not getting it done. But it does not feel like uh, things are in great hands. So you kind of have to hope that the that the Perazas of the world all of a sudden establish themselves like, uh, like Volpe has to a certain degree, like you're hoping Cabrera does. Because if I have to sit through a summer of, of, of Willie Calhoun and Franchi Cordero, I, I think I might be pulling my hair out. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Keith is in uh, Far Rockaway. Keith, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Yeah, how you doing, Gordon? Um, I was just wondering, the Yankees had so many guys that were really good players since Sariano. They get these guys, and then they get players like Clint Frazier, Andujar. There's another one that just came to my mind. The shortstop, Florio, I guess. And these guys, they, they never come up. And they never trade them. They're untouchable. And then they just disappear. I'm like, what's going on? Are they, they damaging these guys? They make them damage goods, and then they can't, and they're good for nothing? But these guys look good. Anduar, Clint Frazier? I've never heard of people. Where are they at now? Uh, well, Anduar was in Pittsburgh. I don't know if he's still there. Uh, Clint uh-huh. Frazier changed his name to, like, Jackson or something like that. I'm not really sure where he <laughs> is now. Uh, look, you know, in terms of asset and man, you know, like I think that that's one of the things that Yankee fans are a little skeptical of. Like, there's things that the Yankees do well. I point out all the time in terms of the bullpen, they're always able to kind of identify guys and, and bring in arms that way that uh, puts together a nice, um, a nice bullpen. So y- y- even when they have mm-hmm. hiccups, you can kind of trust that they'll they'll kind of figure that out. But in terms of their um, their their use of, of 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 assets in terms of young players, yeah, they they overrate them sometimes, and then you know oh, don't yeah, move them, yeah. and then get nothing for them as a, in, in in return. Yeah, because they could have got pitches for these guys a long time ago, and they didn't want to trade them, and then and now they don't you get nothing from them. Yeah, yeah, and, and look, they they could use they could use some some viable players, and uh, and Keith, thanks for the phone call. Um, you know, bring it back. And, you know, it really just comes down to that the Yankees, it doesn't feel like you can trust what they say a lot of times. Uh, between things that they've said in the past about, um, you know, Donaldson, Lash, oh, his defense is this, it's so great. And this year he's going to have a big year and the guy's been hurt and it wasn't like it, it didn't seem like he was having some, 
he was primed for some big season before that or the, the faith that they have in, in Hicks or, or back when, when Sanchez was here. It, it just feels like a, they say a lot of things and the eye, it doesn't pass the eye test. So uh, let's hope that, that things are going to turn around in terms of the injuries. Uh, and as I said with Don earlier, like somebody's got to be to blame for all these injuries. Some, it's got to fall at the feet of somebody. Now, now, I'm sure that there are some injuries that you just can't predict. But for a lot of these guys, these are injury-prone players that have had these injuries in the past, and, and they just continue to – injury-prone players generally – they're the ones that continue to have injuries. So when you sign a, a Rodon, you don't get a pass for saying, oh, well, you know, injuries just happen sometimes. They're a crapshoot. How are we to know? The guy's been injured throughout his career. And that one, that one has the, the feelings, I hope I'm wrong – but that one always had the feeling of you're signing this guy to a long-term contract. You know almost certainly you're not going to get five years out of him. But you have to hope that you get something out of him this year. <laughs> There's no good time for an injury, but this year would be a really bad time for one. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, we'll turn our attention to the NFL and the Jets and day 36, day 37 of the hostage situation of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, we're all being held hostage. We're, we're almost on to day 40 at this point, but we'll get into that next. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Any- this is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Higher or lower than 45 days. I could have said 60, I feel like. And I think most people would have said higher. It feels much longer, right? And at this point, it feels like Rodgers is being held hostage. Mostly, it feels like I am being held hostage. <laughs> That's the only person I really care about. I am being held hostage. I'm waiting for this thing to happen, which is going to happen. It's going to happen. But it does kind of feel like people are starting to crack. I saw the Sauce Gardner, I think, uh, was it Twitter? It said he's hoping that a trade takes place. I know people in the media start cooking up ridiculous scenarios. Oh, well, you know, this could happen. What about this? What about that? No, none of those things are going to happen, and here's why. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet, and, and it's mostly for two reasons. A, the Jets have given themselves no other options. They had other options. They could have went other routes and decided not to do that. And then the Packers have no options altogether. It's not like they haven't chosen other. No, they have no other. No one else wants Aaron Rodgers than the Jets. Now, maybe part of it is that Rodgers says he only wants to play for the Jets. So if there was any other teams that might have been mildly interested, but it's at this point, if if a team wasn't, oh, this team might be interested. That team might be interested. Asked and answered. We've gone down this road already. At the beginning of the offseason, yes, it seemed like, well, maybe the Raiders might be a destination or maybe this team might be a destination. We've gone through all of that. They're not destinations. The only place he is going to is the New York Jets. It will happen. Now, maybe not happening as quickly as you would like. It certainly has not happened as quickly as I would like. And I get people complaining that it has not happened yet, but it will happen. Because why would it have happened by now? What would change about it? The draft is the deadline. For the Packers, certainly. Because they're the ones that are hoping to get something out of this for right now. Now, if you get... 
if you're one of those Jet fans that's sitting around starting to panic, starting to feel a little cry, feeling a little bead of sweat appearing at the top of your, of your brow, thinking, wait a sec, what if this does not take place? The real deadline, I would think, is the draft. If it gets to the draft, and not just day one, but really day two, if you get to the second round and nothing has happened yet and the Jets make their picks with those two second-round picks or wherever they're going to pick, if they trade up or trade down or whatever they do, if those picks don't turn out to be going to Green Bay, then maybe you can start to feel a little bit of pressure. But I don't even think then. Because again, the Jets have, have given themselves no other options at quarterback. Lamar Jackson, they've thought about it. People will call up the different shows. Why don't the Jets uh, think about getting Lamar? No, they have. They're not going to do it publicly. This is the route that they, they, they had all the information. They knew all the different options that were available to them. And they put all their chips on the ones uh, on the one side, on, on the Aaron Rodgers side. So the Jets have, have given themselves no other options and the Packers have no options. Trust me, if the Packers had other options, they would be investigating those other options. If all of a sudden the 49ers said, you know what, let's go get ourselves Aaron Rodgers. Trust me, the Packers would be all over it. Nobody is doing that. We've got, they've, they've, they've made all the calls that they can. Everybody has said no. They have no leverage in terms of that. They have a little bit of leverage because the Jets are going to have to get Rodgers in here before week one. That's the one thing that the Packers have going for them. If they decide they don't want any draft picks this year, well, then they can wait a whole long time and put a little pressure on the Jets that way, I guess. But at the end of the day, they got to get him off their books. They got to trade him somewhere. And there's nowhere else that, that wants him. So stop with the whole... The, the other one that cracks me up, well, the holdup is that the Packers are asking too much. Well, I think it's a negotiation. Both sides are, are, are being unreasonable at this point. The holdup is they can't agree. And why would they? There's no rush. And it, what's funny is, if they did make a trade before the draft, if they all, if all of a sudden the new sounder sounded right now, and it was that the trade is done and the Jets have traded, I don't know, two second round picks. I'm sure a lot of the fans react. A lot of the fans that would be complaining right now would say, "Well, why? Why the the, the Jets panicked? They 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 made a trade before they had to make a trade. Right? They don't need to make a trade. Nothing changes right now." There's nothing in it for the Jets to, to make the trade right now. So you just have to sit and wait here. The draft gets underway this week. We're almost at the deadline. I get it. It's like talking to my kids about the school year. You're almost at the finish line. I know we're, we're, we've gotten through the, the rough months of the winter and it's starting to heat up outside. We're almost at the finish line. Just have to be a little bit more patient. We're getting there. And the deal will get done. As I've said from the beginning, not even the Jets could screw this up. So it will get done. It will eventually happen. You just have to be just a little bit more patience on your part, and it will get done. And then you have them. And then, you, then we can attack all the other things. Oh, is this team good enough to do this and that and then all the next thing? But the idea that it's not going to happen is just silly. Uh, all right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Uh, let's go out to uh, Subi is in Midtown. Subi, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon, I have a question regarding the you know NFL 
in general right now with this free agent issues going on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers should have, you know, a certain leverage in this situation where he has an out in his contract, which tells him that at this point of his career that says, hey, I want to go to this team and that team. After 10 years, I think, you know, the players in the NFL should have a 10-year tough system where they – they can be demanded where to go because they weren't drafted by, you know, Rogers wasn't drafted by the Packers, but after 10 years, he did his job. I think he was NFL drafted. Should... What do you mean? He wasn't drafted by the Packers. He was drafted by the Packers. I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't his right to go there. Oh, he, he didn't, he didn't draft himself to the Packers. You're saying. Yeah. I mean, okay, I point, he did his, he did his duty. It should be something, a gold standard. I'm being serious in the league after 10 to 12 years. Hey, I can pick where I want to go. I know this sounds like a Jets fan take point, but it should be a generic like clause in collective bargaining agreements because he did his job. He's probably a little tired of Green Bay situation. And I'm just saying in going forward relating to the draft, I think it should be a standard. After 10 to 12 years, you have an out that says, hey, I can leave um, as a free agent because of what – they did to their service to their team. That's all I got to say. All right, Subi. Well, I mean, I think he – I don't remember all the specifics uh, about Aaron Rodgers' contract, but, he, I, I, you know, team doesn't want to let him go, and he's been he's been paid handsomely as a result of that, and, and he's kind of uh, crafted this contract, this current contract that he's on, to, to put the, the screws to Green Bay to kind of force to let him leave. But if he wanted to, you know, I don't remember what year was year 10 for him, but if he had gotten to year eight uh, and was under contract for two more years, he could just simply say to the team, I'm not going to resign with you. Uh, and and he, would, he could become a free agent that way. Now they could franchise tag him, but that becomes increasingly more expensive. It's, it's a very niche. I mean, think about how many NFL players even get to 10 years. So you're, you're really talking about a very small percentage, but um, – I don't know that many people are, are going to be uh, crying for Aaron Rodgers. He is going to eventually get free. He wants to leave there, and, and he's got his destination picked. I, and, and just to, to, to show that I'm being fair, like people brought up before, you know, I'm honest. I don't play the company line. That's true. If for some reason, somehow, against all odds, this is not going to happen. This is just a scenario that I'm portraying right now. And look, with with all the the other the sports talk shows that come up with all these crazy things that are not based in reality, I should be allowed to do that every once in a while too. If it does turn out this crazy scenario, if it does turn out for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers says, "You know what? I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to go to the Jets. I've had second thoughts. I don't want to go to the Jets. I'm going to retire." Or uh, I found another team, and the Packers are going to trade him there. If that were to happen, that would be that would be a disaster. And you would have to think, if that did happen, you would have to clear house with the New York Jets. You would have to, you would have to fire people almost immediately. Because the Jets are the team, the Jets have, have put it out there. You know, like, we don't have to, like, get reports that the Jets are interested in our, their players have said it publicly. Their GM has said it publicly. So if for any reason, this one uh, less than 1% of a 1% chance that he does not get there uh, and, and does not end up playing for the Jets, I, I, I brought this up to Larry during the week, and I think it's, uh, the more I think about it, the more true I feel it is. It would be the most embarrassing moment in the history of the Jets to have this entire offseason where you had other options. You had other places that you could have went. You, 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 you locked in 
on this one single possibility, excluded everything else, had the player say publicly that he wanted to play for you, but for some reason it did not happen. And now you're left either at the draft, after the draft, shortly after the draft, whenever, not having a quarterback, that would be the worst, that would be the most embarrassing history in the Jets' history, in, in Jets' history. More so than the butt, the butt fumble or or Belichick bailing or or um, the Adam Gase press conference or, or not picking sap at the draft. That's the clip that's going around. It's draft time. It's time to see the Jets not picking uh, Warren Sapp when the whole room is chanting, we want Sapp, we want Sapp. Everything. More so than Marino clocking the ball or, or Sam Darnold seeing ghosts. If for any reason it did not happen, and again, it won't happen, but just for this one scenario. If for any reason it did not happen, that would be the most epic fail in the history of the Jets organization, an organization that's had its share of epic, of epic fails. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, top of the hour, 6 o'clock, it is a Saturday, it is the Gordon Damer Show, it is time to learn what I learned this week on TikTok. It's next, only here on 98.7 FM, the all-new ESPN New York app.